And welcome to Oh No, Ross and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on French science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal, but take part ourselves. Yep, when they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Carrie Poppy. And I'm Ross Blotcher. And today we are headed back into the desert. Woo! In fact, we were we were in the desert last time we yeah, spoke with true. you. So we're still in the desert. And this time we are heading over to an excellent panel. The best panel, really. Yeah, <laughs> the best panel. It's called Ancient Aliens, The Best Evidence. But I was looking in my notes and I had accidentally written down Ancient Aliens, The Best Aliens. <laughs> <laughs> they really are the best aliens, those they ancient are. ones, because they gave us knowledge. Where the others True. take our cows and our women. Yes, our women. <laughs> also, they're like the aliens for which we have the best evidence because there's the veil of time where we're like, sure, okay, I guess that happened. How you say it happened? How could mm-hmm. I possibly fact check that? It feels like a different set of claims, really. Like you could almost have people who believe that aliens had visited us in the ancient past but aren't here today. It, it just it seems like these claims could stand on their own. So we were back in the amphitheater. No UFOs showed up this time no floating bags yeah big bummer guess who hosted this panel george nori from coast to coast yeah the host with the most from coast to coast exactly you may know i was on coast to coast you were i was a guest with a different host that's correct. If you have a Coast to Coast subscription, you can listen to this episode. It's true. Although they gave me a very confusing bio. Oh, really? What did they say? They made it sound like I was an evangelical Christian and I got so flummoxed by it. I just didn't even correct them. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, I'm pretty sure the entire interview, people just thought I was an evangelical Christian. And at the end... I said to Drew, did that sound like I was a Christian the whole time? Because I kind of pieced it together at the end. And he said, oh, no, I I don't think so. But it's very hard for him to separate his knowledge of you from what others would hear. And then I did get an email from someone who was like, it's so nice to hear like such a rational believer like me. I'm a a Christian too. Well, nice of you to represent the rational Christians. (laughs) Yeah. Good job. So cool. But um, (laughs) Yeah, you were talking about your, your TEDx talk where you had talked about your own ghostly experience. Right. Uh, A fascinating story. Thank you. But yeah, so George was there and he hosts Coast to Coast, (laughs) which is a radio show that's very popular, maybe the most popular paranormal radio show. Oh, without a doubt, because it is far and wide. And and yeah, this particular Coast to Coast was a Coast to Coast about ghosts. (laughs) The one that I was on. Yes. Correct. But not this panel, which was about aliens, ancient aliens, the best aliens. So he was the host. And then we had a really exciting new speaker who was a member of this panel, Giorgio A. Sukalos. Yay, from Ancient Aliens. Now, you might know him as the guy with the hair. Yeah, so you've seen him on various internet memes saying... It was aliens. Right. To anything right, and everything. Right. You you insert your meme and he says it was aliens. Right. So anything that can't be explained, it's not that it was God. It's not that it was miracles. It was aliens. And so he is the main fixture on this show on the History Channel called Ancient Aliens. Which we had once watched, or at least I remember watching with the Raylians. With the Raylians, oh, I was there. Yeah, that was fantastic. Uh, he's very well known, and in case you haven't seen the hair, uh, maybe sort of a receding hairline, but then it ends in this shock of brown hair that just shoots up radially from his head. Very fun. Yeah, it's totally fun. Yeah, we'll talk more about him, but he seems like a really cool guy. Also on the panel was Eric Von Doniken. Yeah, who we'd attended the talk of the other day, so he is Eric Von Doniken of... Chariots of the Gods fame. And when he entered the stage, 
He got a standing ovation. A lady behind me stood and grabbed her heart. Okay. Yeah, people love that Eric Von Du. Yeah, well, especially on this topic, he was the, I think, progenitor of this idea of the ancient aliens. Yeah, he's had a huge impact. The next speaker was Michael Tellinger, and he's a researcher of ancient civilizations, clearly with a UFO bent. And then there's Chris Hardy. Yeah, she was an interesting person who had done a lot of research as well. It seems related to Zechariah Sitchin's work, but also looking at ancient civilizations and kind of reinterpreting the Bible in terms of the alien hypothesis. Right. But she grew up Catholic and then came to doubt what she was taught in Catholicism. Mm. And from there, like, went to study those stories and reinterpret them. And as she was introducing herself, this started out a very sort of normal biographical introduction and very yeah. quickly devolved into her talking about the Sumerian tablets. And it was tough to follow. Reading her bio, I was thinking like, oh, wow, she's really done some interesting things. And then the bio changed. Let me read this. She made a breakthrough in the comparison of Sumerian tablets accounts with that of the book of Genesis using semantic fields theory to sort out three distinct narrators in their different cultural and time frames. I was like, oh, that sounds really interesting. And then it says, as well as in the careful gathering of evidence of the use of nuclear WMD by the ancient aliens or Anunnaki on Earth in her books. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I actually think that first part sounds bullshitty too. Yeah, I guess I was just interested in the semantic fields theory sorting out three distinct narrators Uh in the cultural. That sounded cool. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah you're it, probably giving it the most gentle, forgiving reading. But ancient weapons of mass destruction. Yeah. I'd like to hear more about this. Yeah, I wonder what they were. Our next speaker was Jason Martell. He's a researcher in advanced technology and how it relates to Planet X. Hmm. Nibiru, and he'd also been on Ancient Aliens many times. He's backed by leading scientists from the mainstream scientific community. They've got his back. Yeah, and he's been a guest on numerous TV shows, Ross. So How many? Just numerous? Numerous. And then we had Brian Forrester, who does archaeological work down in South America, especially on cultures with elongated heads. This is uh, quite the panel on ancient aliens. One of the first comments that I wrote down from this panel was Eric Von Doniken saying, I did not write Chariot of the Gods from a scientific standpoint. (laughs) And we had a little chuckle at that. Of course, he didn't mean it the way we were chuckling at it. He just meant that he wrote it for a lay audience instead of, say, the scientific community. Sure. Okay, so the way I interpreted the story he gave, Mm -hmm. and I'm not sure if he share this interpretation. This is how I absorbed it, was that at first he was a science fiction writer and he kind of was postulating, oh, wouldn't it be interesting Mm. if the aliens did X, Y, and Z? And he wrote Chariot of the Gods that way. And then everyone was kind of taken with it and kind of convinced him that, no, you have something here. (sighs) Yeah, like this this is the truth. Oh, how fascinating that would be. And then he kind of It's a Brilliant premise. I've got to say, like, I think it's such a cool explanatory filter, and it's really fun to look at ancient history that way. You know, what if these were visiting aliens? Right. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. But you think for him, he kind of, from the outset, was just intending to tell this. As like a hypothesis. Yeah. Okay. And I I don't think he was saying, you know, I wrote it as fiction. I didn't get that impression, but more like, yeah, I, I, I was saying, you know, yeah, wouldn't this be weird? Or, you know, here's one way it might have happened. And then, you know, uh, 
uh, more and more people convinced me. And, and now over time, I've realized, yes, of course it's real. Mm. Of course it is, you know. Oh, that sounds very likely. Mm-hmm. Sounds like he was intimating that. He also was talking about panspermia and the idea that life did not evolve here. Right. That most likely it evolved on other planets and then came here through and interstellar seated. travel. Mm-hmm. He also was very clear that, uh, I was surprised that he said this so boldly, that all religions are wrong. Yeah. And it was just this very non-controversial statement and no one disagreed with him on it. Yeah, he said it in his own talk too. He's just so cavalier about it. Mm-hmm. Yep, and yet wrong. he seems to clearly favor the Bible over any other holy text. Yes, and he says he still himself believes in God and speaks and prays to him. a lot of times a day. Mm-hmm. Near the beginning of this, Chris Hardy went on sort of a little ramble that took several minutes. It's true. And was pretty... Um, What's a, what's a polite word for crazy? <laughs> um, it was pretty nutty. After a while, she apologized for kind of monopolizing the time. Everybody yeah. said, no, no, no. Very interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> yeah. I wrote down, Eric Von Zonikin is annoyed that she's talking so long. I, I think it was because someone had said something critical of Zechariah Sitchin, saying oh. that he was wrong about some things. And okay. I, I think she had gone into that to defend him. And I think she maybe distracted herself a little bit and ended up oh. talking more than she had intended. I see. Okay. When he, he felt like Maybe he could contribute to that. Mm-hmm. I see. That's interesting. One momentous event that happened at the beginning of this panel is that George Norrie turned to the audience and asked everybody. Oh, no, this is so awful. He asked, who doesn't believe that there is life on other planets? And we're like, phew, the wording of this gets us out of the question. Yeah. So, we're like, oh, okay. Well, we don't need to raise our hands because well, we believe that there is very likely life on other planets. It's and, almost a certainty. Yeah. Let's clarify here because this might be a surprise to some people. Some people assume that the whole idea of life on other planets is unscientific. And mm. that's, that's not the case. Most scientists agree that while we're probably alone in our little cluster of planets Mm -hmm. that out there in the universe almost definitely we're not alone yeah if we believe that life evolved here and that the balance of energy on a planet can lead molecules to self-organize into life that it's going to happen elsewhere and there are so many other planets and we discover more every year an insane amount of other planets that kind of live in the zone that the earth does so it seems incredibly likely in a galaxy with over a hundred billion stars floating amongst over a hundred billion other galaxies closer to 200 billion that's huge odds in terms of you know the the frank drake equation that we would have life on other planets so yeah we find that non-controversial so no need to like phew okay we don't have to raise our hands i don't think anybody raised their hands on that no no they said oh good uh unanimous smart people or something like that (laughs) we shouldn't have gotten too comfortable though because then george nori turned around and said who doesn't believe that aliens are are currently visiting our planet. Or have ever visited here. And so then it was like, oh, okay. We that like, was a direct oh, question. So okay. we raise so our we hands. we raise our hands. We're both in the fourth row mm-hmm. of an enormous amphitheater with a few hundred people. Mm-hmm. And we look around. I didn't see anyone else raise their hand, but you saw one other Yeah, person. I saw one or two other okay. people. So we weren't completely alone, but... But we were we were the 1%. Uh-huh. Oh, a- absolutely. <laughs> then he decided, oh, let's keep going with this. And he asked, who doesn't believe in God? Oh, yeah. It was a little later in the talk, but it was very soon afterward. And so we like, raised, oh, our, crap. raised our hands boy, on that oh, one. Boy. And again, we had like one or two other compatriots. Yeah. Which actually, I'm surprised there weren't more. I was too. Especially given like the Raelians and I don't know, I I had really expected at the other conference and this one more people who were just sort of fringe sciencey 
people, but not necessarily metaphysical travelers. Right, because I think that the idea of aliens visiting the planet is not a supernatural idea or oh, claim. Yeah. Right. It's In fact, I would say it's probable. There are immense distances involved, but various loopholes or wormholes or other holes that the aliens could exploit to visit here. So uh, yeah, I, I see those two ideas as being separable. And there's a lot of people here uh, very critical of religion. So yeah, I would have actually expected more. Right. But then Chris Hardy jumped in and she said, wait, you're asking the wrong question, George. The real question is, who here is skeptical of major religions? And right. almost every institutions, yeah. and almost everybody raised their hands for that. So, which actually makes it kind of a less interesting question if everyone <laughs> can agree. But <laughs> uh, well, at least uh, you yeah, know. we all get a kumbaya. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> so that was good. That's that was the note we ended on there. And then George was like, "That was going to be my next question, Chris." So I relied on you to uh, notice any sideways glances. Oh, and I was. Okay. Oh, I was absorbing all those evil eyes. Uh huh. Mostly I noticed this one lady to my left that I had been watching her a lot of the conference because she was just very vocal about her responses. You know, she would be like, oh, mm-hmm, yep, 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 oh, agree mm-hmm. with this, you mm-hmm. know, about everything. And she was giving us a lot of looks after that. She was like, these are not fellow travelers. Okay. I just went back to my Sudoku. (laughs) One of my favorite things Nuri said here was, I've never had a scientist explain the Big Bang. When they start to explain it with space and time, I say, no, 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 I don't want to hear that. (laughs) Right. Oh, yes. I remember that like, oh, so they tried to explain it to you and you shut them down. Right. You sound like a real jerk. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he seems like such a friendly guy. Yeah. can't call but George that Norrie. Would a, that would be a jerk move. All right. Hey, what's a dog? It's almost like, well, it's small and it's fur. I don't no, want to hear that. No fur. <laughs> I'm <laughs> not allowed fur that. into this discussion. Oh, okay. Uh, it's got a uh, tongue hmm. and it's not all fur. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, so we found out that some of the ancient aliens are still here. They're just in other dimensions. Oh, yeah. That's weird. That's cool. I don't know what to do with that. Mm-hmm. That makes them not ancient. I'm confused. But okay, great. At least Babaji has the good graces to wander the earth, though he takes on different forms. Who? Babaji from oh, the Self-Realization, Self-Realization Fellowship. Self-Realization Fellowship. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Still alive yeah, after all these years. That's right. Still bouncing around. Never forget, people. Babaji still Babaji. out there. So we found out that sound and resonance are the foundation of all things. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So someone on the panel said that, and it reminded me of my friend Chris Stedman. That's like one of his favorite metaphysical claims is that you have to raise your vibrations. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's like his favorite thing because he's always like, I'm going to raise my vibrations and I'll just start shaking. (laughs) Um, Whichever panelist said this, the person behind me said, it's so obvious. (laughs) <laughs> like you didn't even need to say this. And I, I mean, that's true on some level. Every material has a frequency. And if you, you know, match sound mm-hmm. waves mm-hmm. at that frequency, you could shatter it like glass, that's true. at least for things that are brittle like glass. Or, or do damage, but our body is made out of so many different component parts that do not all have the same frequency. There's not one body frequency. And raising the frequency wouldn't help you in some way. Yeah, and there's no volitional control. It, it doesn't make sense. No, but Ross, then I looked at my watch, mm-hmm. and the moment that I happened to look at it, it was 3.33. Oh, she was so excited, everybody. Oh, boy. <laughs> because that means something, and no one can really explain what it is. Did you hear an owl in the distance? No, oh. but I think we did 
did both boring. say, oh, maybe there'll be an owl. Owl. <laughs> I want to see an owl. Every night when we'd like walk back to our Airbnb, we would suggest to the universe that we would love to see an owl and or hear an owl. One never showed up. Yeah. In the desert. Do they not have owls in the desert? No, they do. Like, that's a big owl well, haunt. Well, come on, owls. Mm-mm, they didn't want to come. Owl, owl, owl. So Giorgio said an interesting thing. Hmm. He said that his preference is still to look at ufology through the scientific lens. He calls this the nuts and bolts lens. Hmm. So the the way I, I was kind of expecting this all to be, the fringe science, the let's look at this piece of metal and see if it might have been on a UFO oh, okay. kind of thing instead of the aliens are in another dimension. How do we talk to them through channeling? That kind of thing. He gotcha. Said he doesn't really cotton to that as much. He wants the actual actual evidence and the tangible things. Right. But he said, but I'm opening up to the idea of this multidimensional work to this channeling. You know, Hmm. you guys have really brought me around to that and I'm Hmm. making this personal evolution. I like one thing that he said. He said that it's hard for anyone to conceive of just the sheer number of planets out there. And that's why my hair looks like this. <laughs> and it wouldn't be he loves the, to throw to that hair. Yeah, he, it wouldn't be the first time he'd made little references to how he got his hairstyle. Pretty funny. Then they got to a Q&A. Yes. And questioners could line up to a microphone. And so the first question was asking about the binary nature of the universe because yes. one of these people says of that the we solar have, system. Yeah. One of these people says we have two suns. And and where I, is it? Yeah. It's so they were talking about some other star system and saying that it's a binary system. I'm thinking, okay, that happens, like Tatooine. That was around Uh, a binary star. (laughs) That famous real planet Tatooine. And so then I thought, wait, did I mishear this? They just suggested that we actually live in a binary system? Nope, you did not. One Uh, of them believes that. Apparently there is a binary research institute that we need to go visit. Yeah, they said to just check that out. And the questioner seemed to not really buy it. He was like... Ah, this doesn't sound right. How can I find out more? And then the guy who answered was like, well, you can check out my website. <laughs> kind of acting like, well, if you, had, if you had Googled this, you'd know all about it. Oh, and then a young woman had brought George Newry a gift. Oh, yes. Oh, this was kind of a sad moment. She had brought him a birthday gift. It wasn't his birthday yet, uh, but he turned this into the most awkward interaction possible he accepted the gift and then he proceeded to kind of like pick it apart he pulled out like oh is that all that's in here yeah it was like a babe ruth baseball card and he was like oh it's oh, not it's a real not original not a real babe ruth baseball. Okay. what are they gonna spend hundreds of thousands of dollars <laughs> yeah, on him oh and a, and a wallet and then he like opens the wallet and he's like it's empty <laughs> and then he told us all to sing him happy birthday. Suggestion slash command like, okay, well, you can all sing happy birthday to me now. And when everyone didn't quite do it, he actually like- made, Come on, people. Yeah, made Let's the- do it. Sing to me now. The orchestration uh, it Carrie's waving her hands, hands around. Yeah. It's like, come on, hello. <laughs> and then we did. We sang to him. Oh, yeah. Someone asked if Earth is hollow and or- inhabited and, and eric von donniken jumped right on that one he's like hollow that's ridiculous no that's dumb <laughs> yeah and, and it was such a derision like why would we even be talking about this of course it's not hollow <laughs> i think he actually said the phrase come on so then michael tellinger he spoke up and he said no, no, no i i think that hollow earth research is just beginning yeah and there are large cavities under the earth that we didn't even know about he also said in another moment he said that mainstream physics is a bunch of of lies. Oh, great. 
Cool. What a useful statement we can do nothing with. Where does that stance get you to a partial belief in the hollow earth? Sure. There was also a question about the flat earth, and I don't think they ever truly addressed that one. They kind of moved on. Yeah, but some of the speakers clearly did say, flat earth, we're really not sure. You know, this is a very interesting topic of discussion and kind of wouldn't say here or there on it. So then I stuck around for a talk by Corey Good. Yeah, I ran off. So how good was Corey? He was good. Good like so good you'd add an E at the end? (laughs) Exactly. And he did. Tell us about Corey Be Good and uh, preferably to the tune of Johnny Be Good. I will not be doing the second thing, but I'll do the first thing. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And I don't think his initial is B, at least not as far as we know. There's a one in 26 chance. Probably greater because... X's and stuff. Anyway, uh, okay, so he was introduced by Jimmy Church. Jimmy Church. Jimmy Church. I would like to introduce Corey Good. I felt unexpectedly sad during this introduction because Jimmy wanted to give out a t-shirt and he was like, I'm going to give it to the youngest person here. Who's the youngest person? And it turned out to be this three-year-old girl and her- Why'd you feel bad? She gets some swaddling clothes. Her dad brought her up and she just looked kind of confused looking out over the crowd like she didn't know why she was there and I don't know. It's just kind of like, oh, you're going to be brought up in this. Oh, you had this thought just about your environment. Yeah, well, you have like any access to any actual science. Usually it's always my son when anyone calls out to an audience like, who's the youngest person here? Oh, right. Often my son. But he was not there with us and he is not three. Right. She would have beat him anyway. So the first thing that Jimmy tells us is, so Corey is. So Corey. Corey's here to tell I'll feel really bad if that's his natural voice. But no one talks like that. No. You'd probably find him ordering a sandwich and he'd be like, hey, I'll have the tuna. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, he said, so Corey was so nervous the first time I had him speak at one of these. (laughs) And then he like goes on to tell us how nervous Corey was at the last contact in the desert. I bet Corey loved that. Yeah, I know, right? A great introduction. But I told him, you're going to be great. You're going to be great. Because beforehand, he'd probably said, okay, this is a new day. I'm starting fresh. (laughs) But no, Jimmy Church is bringing him right back. (laughs) Exactly. But anyway, Corey comes out and he sat to give his talk. He was sitting at his computer. Everyone else had stood. So that was kind of kind of a nice change of aesthetic. And right away gets into it, informs us in the calmest voice possible that, well, he took part in our government's secret program that takes quote-unquote volunteers and subjects them to alien experiments. And this is done through a program called MyLabs, Military Laboratories. Did he look nervous at all? And Yeah, a bit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Give Jimmy Church that. And uh, What a contrast, Jimmy Church. And this guy and telling Good. us about and, being part of an experiment. <laughs> and he said that, actually, there's a connection to Amazing Facts here a little bit. Yes. He said that his Corey's grandfather was a Seventh-day Adventist. He didn't want to fight in the war, conscientious objector. But then the government said, you can sign this form that allows you to be a human test subject and then exempts you from all future military service. Mm. What his grandfather didn't know was that he was signing away not only his own rights not to be an experiment subject, but his children and grandchildren.
grandchildren's rights. Because there are forms like that. Right. <laughs> I, I don't so, know if we mentioned in our Adventist series. That, that they do experiments on you. <laughs> that Hacks- It was just so long, you guys. And we were like, ah. And then there's that whole alien experimentation part. Well, let's leave it out. But uh, Hacksaw Ridge, the film directed by Mel Gibson, was up for an Academy Award for Best Picture in this most recent Oscar season, was about a Seventh-day Adventist conscientious objector. Yeah. And I didn't realize that before the Adventists had handed me this booklet about Hacksaw Ridge retelling the story with an introduction or written by Doug Batchelor. So yeah, anyways, that was interesting. So this uh, grandfather of his was presumably very much like the protagonist of Hacksaw Ridge, but signed the wrong form and yeah. doomed Done goofed. doomed generations hence to be exploited by the military. Right. So I guess you're not automatically in the program if you're the child or grandchild of someone who signed the form, but you're on a list and you might be exploited. So what mm. happened is then little Corey's born. He has no idea any of this happened, of course, but he had the the bad luck to be born an empath and the government spotted him mm. and they said, oh, we need you. He was ID'd as an empath at age six and also ID'd as a psychic. Mm. Right away, they started him on this chemical enhancement program where they would inject him with chemicals. They'd strap him down. That sounds unpleasant. Yep. To uh, a six-year-old? Yep. Oh, my goodness. He called it evolution through trauma. They would do this hypnotic suggestion to train him. Oh, here, I was just going to ask, was hypnosis involved in any way in his recollection of these stories? If so, he didn't include it okay. in his telling. I wondered that too, and then he didn't do a Q&A. Okay. According to him, they would try to hypnotize him to do stuff. So they tried to get him to beat up other kids. Oh, no. They would also acclimate him to aliens by... Putting him in a room, getting him super, super high and like really disoriented and then walking aliens into the room. So then the aliens were like the least weird thing high in the room. High on drugs? Yeah, yeah. They would like- As a kid? Yeah. So they would like inject him with all these chemicals. I don't even think like nice ones, just chemical stuff. So he was like all disoriented and out of sorts and then walk aliens in. So it was just like, oh, whatever. These aliens are in the room. But more importantly, the walls are moving and I feel nauseous and stuff. I'm so torn between like feeling really horrible for these experiences happening to a kid and also not believing any of this. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because you also know this almost certainly didn't happen. Right. Age 13, he started getting full dosages of the serum and they would put it in his shoulders and hip. And that's when most kids were blank slated. So all their memories were Ah, erased and they were returned to society, but not Corey. Okay. Uh So there's others out there who've gone through all this, but just don't remember. Correct. So at age 13, he was flown to a super federation base outside of Jupiter. What? He was flown to a super federation base outside of Jupiter, so what? like a space station. Is that the same mothership that the Raelians have that transmits uh, yeah. our cellular information? Because they hang out near Jupiter Maybe. four times a year. Why not? Let's oh. say yes. All right, cool. I'm excited now. And there were 60 alien races there. Okay, so it really is a federation. Uh-huh. Okay. Now- I'm sure that's all true. <laughs> And then he explains that there's this federation that's formed of star clusters and different races from all these star clusters decided to do experiments. And they said, okay, you over there in cluster A, you'll do this experiment where you make humans. Hmm. And then we over here, will do this experiment where we make, I don't know, I'm making this up, but we make elephant dogs. It's okay. You know? He was making it up too. <laughs> and they do all these different experiments and then we'll reconvene and we'll all benefit from this science, Okay, right? yeah, yeah, all right. But 
as humans and living beings do, all these alliances also turned a little catty and everyone starts having like their little uh, little fights. And now different planets are sending their aliens into the different star systems to sneak a peek at the experiments and see how they're going before they're supposed to be done. And so you have these aliens coming in and trying to see how our experiments are going. Oh, nosy. I know. <laughs> Take care of your own experiments. Mm-hmm. Get your noses out of our business. And why are they meeting in our solar system? Why not another solar system? Well, we're doing the same thing. Okay. We're sending people over and trying to see what's going on in there. All right. That's just the rules of the game, then. It's just, it's militarization, is what it is, Ross. Mm -hmm. The first thing they tried was a reptilian experiment. What do you think that was called? Scaly skin. It was called dinosaurs. Ah, okay. All right. (laughs) Cool. But that was destroyed by, you know, the extinction of dinosaurs. Oh, gotcha. Um, Oh, that was just an experiment they were running on our planet. Right. That explains all the bones. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, so that's kind of straightforward. And so, wait, he witnessed all this? Did they take him back in time? No, they just told him. Oh, okay. He went up there and they were like, hey, what's up? Why? Why does he need to... (laughs) To hear all this. I don't know. Okay. But they told him, once you're up there on that galactic base, they're like, here's all the info. I think it's kind of like before a villain kills you, he's like, here's everything. (laughs) Right. The the James Bond reveal moment. And now I have set a trap to kill kill you you. in five minutes, but I'm going to walk out of the room. Right. Okay. (laughs) Let me tell you everything I did. Now it will be my undoing if you somehow escape me, but. (laughs) No. uh, In case anyone thinks I sound dismissive here, just note that Stephen Greer would say this is all made up. Oh, right. That's a great defense. (laughs) (laughs) I would also say science says this is all made up. Like God on the seventh day, I rest my case. Oh, very good. So there are four agreements between all the stars on these programs. The four agreements are genetic, conscious, spiritual, and cosmic. Okay. Now I know what you're thinking. He's going to unpack what all four of these things mean. Mm -hmm. Nope. He just tells us that, and then he says, when you add all four up, they add up to the solar sneeze. (laughs) (laughs) Solar sneeze? (laughs) Yep. All right. Add up to the solar sneeze. Uh, Is that... (laughs) A solar sneeze, is that just another word for a solar flare? I think so. Yeah, I think once we achieve all these things, something's going to happen with the sun. (gasps) Oh, okay. So maybe this ties in with everything we heard from David Wilcock about this big solar event that should have happened in 2012, but it's going to happen real soon, we swear. I think that's right. Okay. But he calls it the solar sneeze. (laughs) I like his better. Solar gesundheit. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) So you might be thinking, okay, now if aliens come here and they sneak a peek at our experiments as Mm -hmm. nosy bastards, then what happens if they die here? Mm, That's a good question I had not considered. Well, they enter our reincarnation cycle. Oh, whoa, what? Yep. They enter our reincarnation cycle and they're here until they either graduate or are rescued. But not if they fall into a volcano, in which case they become thetans. That's correct. Yeah. This is, oh boy. How do we keep this all straight in our heads? That's what I want to (laughs) know. So some of us are actually willing participants in this experiment. Some people join. Hey, I'll do it. If anybody from the government or the Alien Federation is listening, I will join your experiment. Please come get me. Take me to that ship. I want to hear Just everything. Just don't blank slate, Ross. Right. we want to know about it. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, I'll share it with people like Corey Goodwood. But they don't want that. They're upset that Corey Good is so, doing this. Okay, but they, they have all this technology, but they don't have the technology to silence Corey Good. Yeah, no, Corey Good is good. Did he have armed security like some of our other speakers? I think he 
connected, but I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah. But he showed a little film at the end that a fan had made that he was like, no, this is really good. This is based on my life. It was a fictional account, but that really depicted him as being like sort of uh, the hero against the government. So yeah, it definitely implied that. I feel a big plot hole here in a lot of these stories is that what? if the aliens or the government did not want these people to speak about these things, they'd be dead. Yes. Or silenced somehow. Yeah. Although, I mean, like there are people with FBI files who like definitely the government doesn't like and they're out there. I mean, Edward Snowden's alive. It's true. But he's also not in the US. He's not in the US. It's true. I don't know. I just feel like when Stephen Greer was talking about his story of evading this beam, uh, I was thinking if they wanted to get you, yeah. they'd get, they want to try for a month every night at the same time and then you give up yeah edward snowden is taking some extreme precautions to stay alive and edward snowden exists and hides from the government in the real world i'm talking about the rules that they've set up with alien technology and the government having alien technology if they wanted someone dead and and yeah okay and they use that all the time to talk about other people who've been taken out Uh, linda moulton howe talked about that at the arkansas conference and Uh others have talked about like oh yeah this person was taken out by the government right they could do that to anyone they want that's true okay you're right thank you now like so many people he starts rethinking bible stories telling oh. us yeah i really enjoy this actually i, I love hearing oh, all sure. the variations <laughs> so Ross. yeah have at it well i'm sorry i didn't write down them because i was like boring but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah he just said like the bible stories aren't wrong they're just misinterpreted okay. and then does the same little thing that so many of the people there do i think that's a fun mental exercise well i'm and, glad you enjoy it and and often kind of plausible sounding i did enjoy riles the most i think think his were the most fun yeah okay then we learn that he has in-depth conversations with an entity named kari kari yes oh wow okay now kari is a spirit entity that he talks to and he doesn't like to talk too much about what she says because it's a very personal thing kari tells us that our creators actually live in the future they came back here back in time oh to create us And the only explanation given is that they have to repair their own timeline. Okay. Interesting. So now we've got all these alternate histories. So they wanted to come back and kill John Connor. Yes. A movie reference. It's a Terminator reference. Okay. Very good. Oh, he's starting his own website with talks similar to TED Talks. Um, Probably not too similar. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. This was nuts. Okay, then my next like several notes are just him talking about all his new projects. And boy, this man's ambitious doing the TED Talks website. He's also starting a music festival. Mm. In July 2017, he's going to the Las Vegas MUFON Symposium. Okay. He's releasing a book called The Case for a Secret Space Program. Mm -hmm. He's releasing a comic book and graphic novel based on Aliens and Disclosure. Mm -hmm. But I think neither have been written. Okay. He's doing a mass meditation event. Wow. Yeah. Okay. A lot of plans, Cool. Man. We'll be hearing more from Corey Good. Oh, wait. No, there's more. He's starting a network of mental health professionals who believe in UFOs and will help you deal with your feelings as you start to understand this information. Okay. He's writing a pilot where, and he's in negotiations with a major subscription platform and he can... He can't tell us which one, but you can probably guess which one, but he just can't say. <laughs> and so maybe the government will put the kibosh on that project. Ew, or I hope not. Or maybe they'll use it as self-disclosure. Because mm-hmm. it could go either way. 
And then he also told us that he recently lost a loved one and he knows that the government is suppressing life-extending technology and we all need to look into that and goodbye. Oh, that's a strong finish. Yep. Okay. Now, I just noticed the other day that one of the people I follow on Facebook, this guy called Dark Journalist. Oh, yes. Yeah. He was recommended to us by uh, the woman of the couple we met at the dinner in Arkansas. Ah, okay. Well, he believes that Corey Good is an occultist, Satanist. Oh. And that- This is so fascinating, this sniping in between yeah, these different UFO he's, experts. He's completely anti-Corey Good. He posts about him a lot. And so his Facebook posts are, right now, they're like two-thirds posts about how Corey Good is the devil. And Whoa. a lot of the comments under them are, hey, guys, like, we need to all stick together. Yeah, I don't know yeah. about this. Yeah. Oh, my goodness, because I know Dark Journalist has spoken with and interviewed many of the people that we've heard at these conferences. I know he talked with Linda Moulton Howe. And that fascinates me when you get the sniping between these different... Factions. Uh, yeah, these mutually exclusive claims made by people who are, you know, someone has to be making something up. Right. They, they can't all be right, or right. someone has to be deceived or misinformed, at least. Right. Uh, so that's fascinating. Mm -hmm. So while you were listening to Corey Good, I went off somewhere else. But first, I want to hear about another Max Fun Show. Oh, like this one. Hi, I'm comedian Emily Heller. And I'm cartoonist Lisa Hannawalt. And we're the hosts of Baby Geniuses. Do you want to learn weird new facts? Do you like hearing successful creative women talk about their poop? Do you want the scoop on Martha Stewart's pony? If you answered yes to any of these questions, our show is for you. We interview people like Paul F. Tompkins, Kristen Shaw, Michael Che, and more. So check us out on Maximum Fun. And let us mess up your brain. Yes, please. <laughs> All right, so while you were there, I headed off to a visit with Giorgio. And that is the very same Giorgio, a Sukalos from Ancient Aliens. He of the crazy hair. So this was not so much a planned talk. It was just him saying, hey, we've got one hour together. Why don't you all just ask me questions? And so it was one big, long Q&A. Cool. And this was back in the sanctuary. So we're in what looks like it could be a church service for all appearances. Uh, so people lined up and he started with a bunch of introductory remarks. And he was talking about how we made pyramids with instructions from aliens. He said, I never claimed that we didn't build the pyramids. We did, but we needed that input. We wouldn't have been able to develop mm. the technology to build these precise, just amazing structures without them. And he made an interesting point. He was talking about how we are a cargo cult essentially. He kind of asked the audience and it didn't seem like too many people knew what a cargo cult was. So he went into that story of how during World War II, you would have sailors stopping by a small island that's populated and bringing a bunch of supplies and interacting with the, the locals there, the natives. And then after that person leaves and says they'll come back, and this is a real thing, you'll have the native population then build representations of you know, whatever craft brought the visitor there and they'll make make ceremonies that celebrate this John from. And that's why you have all these cargo cults or John from cults. And the joke or the thinking is that he said, hey, I'm John from Cincinnati or something uh, like that. Right. And then they all thought of him as John from. So this has been documented in multiple places in the earth. And I thought it was an interesting analogy that we here on earth were visited by these alien cultures. And then we've created all these religions to represent our interaction okay. with them. 
But similar to those cargo cults, we can't fully reproduce their technology and we can't fully explain what we saw back then, but we've preserved these elements of their visitation. And we can't necessarily tempt them back with our silly replicas. Exactly. Yeah, we can build a radio tower or something like that, but it doesn't function uh, the way theirs would. So yeah, I thought that was a very interesting explanation. He even said that he himself is not a religious person, but considers himself very spiritual, highly spiritual. So that was kind of his introduction. That's interesting. Uh, Another question involved a place that I think we'd heard mentioned before. I wasn't even sure exactly what he was saying at the time, but it's called Gobekli Tepe. Oh, right. And it's this ancient site in Turkey. I think this was the second time we'd heard it mentioned, but it kind of peppered through these conversations. So I had to look this up later. It's located in Turkey, and it was this mound, this giant mound, that's kind of like three football fields in diameter that had multiple civilizations sort of built up on top of each other. And so each civilization sort of disappeared and then the next one built on top of that and it kept accumulating. And so going back to look at the runes, they found that as far back as 10,000 to 12,000 years ago, this civilization was building these giant kind of monolithic tea-looking sculpture statues, uh, like kind of like a Stonehenge sort of thing, like giant stone tablets, essentially shaped like a tea. And so it showed some pretty advanced work and it had been carved into. And so that's like double the age of Stonehenge. Pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. And so he was talking about that site and he was saying that radiometric dating is legit, though you can't just data site based on one object. And he feels that some of the dating is wrong because people have found something that was left later and then said, ah, this whole site is X number of years old. And so I think he was saying that the evidence leads him to believe that a lot of these mega structures that we found built by humans, but with instructions by aliens are actually much older than we've been led to believe. Okay. And that Gobekli Tepe is just one of the first times that archaeologists are starting to get on board and realize like, oh, these are much earlier. Now, I know I'm not the first person to make this observation. I'm far from it. But it does make me think over and over about the phrase God of the gaps. Mm. This idea that God just fills in. It's a criticism leveled at usually Christians, but I guess anyone who believes in a God where it's like, well, there's some gap in our scientific understanding Mm -hmm. of X. So... Therefore, God exists. And in this case, it's <laughs> As his like, meme would say, therefore, it's aliens. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is like alien of alien the gaps. Alien of the gaps, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. He would then, you know, make whatever arguments against that. But I agree that's right. a useful way of looking at it, at least. So I was sitting to the side as people were asking questions. And I noticed the question line really wasn't that long. I thought, this is my ch- I, I get to talk to Giorgio Suclos. Yeah. I should get in line. Ask him on a date. And I had a couple, like, questions forming in my mind. So, yeah, got in line. So he continued to answer questions. Uh, one person complimented him on being a great teacher. He said that he loves teaching. He talked a little bit about how we can know things. An experiment can be proven if it's verified and repeated. And then he mentioned that some people have asked him why the ancient alien community doesn't have evidence. And everybody had a good laugh at that because, you know, oh, there's so much evidence. Oh, okay. I was just... I, an, I didn't know that joke stood on its own. That was own. a natural laugh line just to wow. say that the whole audience yeah, was in on that I was one. like, okay, and what's the answer? <laughs> That's laughable. That's they have so much thing. evidence, so oh, many okay. ancient civilizations cool, cool, that cool. couldn't have done it on their own. Mm. Ergo, yeah, it's aliens. Uh, one woman got up and asked, well, what if the Big Bang is our creator? 
and people applauded for that. And I'm just like, oh. okay, well, all right, yes, that. But it's they, like she just emphasized a word in a sentence and they were like, all right, girl. Yeah, but <laughs> then she turned in this really weird metaphysical claim and how it had been sort of personally revealed to her that the Big Bang is our creator and that's who we really need to, like she was treating it like this personality that cares uh-huh. about us. And <laughs> I want to get up there and be like, what if cells make up our bodies? <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. So it was clearly this one use of phrase that had become really important to her. And he tried to answer very genially. And he's a really friendly, I feel, down-to-earth guy for all his uh, alien beliefs and his wild hair. But he was trying to say, oh, that's cool that you kind of look at it that way. And I think she felt a little too brushed off. She's like, no, no, this is really important to me. (laughs) So she finally left in a, not huff, but at least like, you know, I've made my stand here on the Big Bang. Another interesting thing he said was that there is no way that everyone can be lying about their abduction stories. There's just too many of them. So. I agree. Yeah, yeah, that's I fair. I don't think they're all lying. There's a big difference between they're all lying and all, all the stories are true. Right, yes. He said they are not out to lunch. They are at lunch. It's everyone else who doesn't know what to order. <laughs> oh, I love that. Isn't that great? Wait, did he say we're not out to lunch or they as in the abductees? Oh, I don't know. We may be looking at this analogy too closely. Oh, okay. I was just curious. No, the, the abductees are not out to lunch. The they're at lunch. They're having lunch. They're having lunch. Everyone who says they're Got out it. to lunch, they are unsure of what to order. That's great. <laughs> Someone asked him. This I'm is, not out to lunch. You're out to lunch. Someone asked him, I think, a great question, which was, you know, you talk about ancient aliens and kind of focus on the past, but do you have any personal experiences? experience of aliens visiting us today. Yeah. What's your stance on that? So he led off with saying, well, if you'd asked me before 2014, Uh I might have answered one way. But on August 11, 2014, (gasps) my mother's birthday here at this very contact in the (gasps) desert conference. What? Three years previous. This is going to be a huge story. It's going to be undeniable evidence. This is one of the biggest UFO guys in the world. Here it is. The biggest story. He was at the star viewing party that they hold each night Uh at Contact in the Desert and looked up in the sky Uh with 28 other people present Uh and saw, someone had to point this out, but there were... Two, uh-huh. There were two extra stars uh-huh. inside of the main quadrilateral of the Big Dipper. Uh-huh. And someone said, wait, are there normally two stars there kind of in between those four uh-huh. in the, the bowl of the ladle? And everyone said, no, I don't think so. Okay, now you don't look too impressed, but uh-uh. they started changing brightness uh-huh. Okay, so they got brighter and then they got dimmer and they would like change and stay for a while. They did that three times. Uh-huh. And then they moved, Carrie. They moved. Uh-huh. Why Why are you not impressed? Well, 28 people were there and saw this. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I, I've got to say, if I saw that, I would be impressed. Uh-huh. And he says he saw it and that others can corroborate his story. Uh-huh. All right, you. <laughs> Well, it sounds like uh, it could have been anything in the whole fucking world. Okay. Uh, This was confusing, though, because then he said, I had this other experience where I was with Ed Grimsley, I think the name was. I could have gotten that wrong. Apparently someone... Is that the little uh, worm from all those picture books? (laughs) I don't think so. Uh, (laughs) It's probably a name that other people who are really familiar with the UFO community would recognize because he said it that way. But he was hanging out with uh, this guy and saw six UFOs, these 
objects that were moving around. Okay, now this one's going to be good. Here we go. And they were they were shooting out stuff, and yeah, they, oh, they just saw them move around and fly faster than any craft could for quite some time. Wait, they were like flying saucers? Yeah, there were light patterns, and it sounded like they stayed roughly together, but they were moving all over the sky, and again, sparks were shooting out of them. And so I was a little confused because I was thinking, wait, so he said he would have given a different answer before 2014. Yeah. When did this thing happen? Because the way he was telling it sounded like it was a long time ago. And I wasn't the only one confused. Someone else from the audience said, wait, when did this happen? He said, oh, 2005. We're like, well, uh, but you told us that. Yeah, you would have given a different answer. And someone called him on that and he said, oh, well, you know, that was just me and one other person. But this other one with the Big Dipper, there were like 28 people there. Uh, so I wouldn't have felt as confident saying this was a real thing. Uh-huh. But now that I've seen this other thing with a group of people, I'm pretty convinced. Oh, uh, okay. So that was a big moment for and him. And now I feel comfortable just going back and admitting, hey, there was this other thing. Right. So, okay. okay, I'll check out. So I got up there and... I'm still not that impressed by either story. All right. Uh, so I asked him, what would have happened to humanity if we never had been visited by the aliens? Do you think we would have eventually come up with the same technology? Mm-hmm. Because we were making stuff, right? And these are basic machines. Eventually, we would discover the, the ramp and all that. I didn't elaborate to that extent. But first of all, he said, oh, that that's a legitimately interesting question. And I feel that... We would have continued to advance, but never to the extent that we have, that Mm. they shared really important basic principles with us that we could not have gotten on our own. Okay. Uh, All right. That's what you believe. I'm Uh, sure it's all true. uh, The second question I then asked him was, what do you think of the idea of the prime directive? If you can visit another civilization that you don't intervene, that you just let them do what they want naturally, maybe you observe them. Right. Kind of like a nature photographer. But you try to be invisible. And of course, that's an idea from Star Trek. And that was his answer. He said, oh, it's a beautiful idea, but that was written by a science fiction author. And that's not how it really works. Unlike Eric Von Donneken. (laughs) Right. You go to visit and maybe you crash land or you know you're Mm -hmm. gonna interact with people i mean that's just that's what happens if you're a visitor to a new land look at explorers in human history so okay another fair answer yeah i think the prime directive is probably like this is the ideal now what's our plans b c d e and f right that's probably fair And so then I wanted to add an addendum to that and ask, well, then what have we learned from examining ancient aliens? How could we do a better job when we become a spacefaring race and we can visit other planets? Could we do a better job of visiting them and not leaving them as confused as we've been uh, without having them create all these religions like a cargo cult? Mm, Right. And I thought he would engage with that question more and be like oh yeah actually i think we could do a better job he said nope they did you know kind of a perfect job was the uh, sort of assumption there with both of those questions he seems a little defensive of the aliens yeah yeah it's like no they did as best as they could mr sir question asker right and so his specific answer i thought was really strange he felt that this whole alien synthesis This whole idea about realizing that all these cultures started with aliens is just the best way to unify all of us. We couldn't do better because, you know, can you think of a better way to unify everyone than for them to realize, oh, wait, all of our religions aren't true, but they all came from the same source. Now, okay, fine. That's only if everybody ends up agreeing on this. But we've had thousands of years of conflict and misunderstanding and no apparent sign of us coming to all agree with Giorgio A. Tsoukalos of the hair blown back 
right. on the synthesis. So so I still felt like, no, I, I think we could do a lot better than the ancient aliens. And I thought I was giving you a good opportunity to explore how. But yeah, that was his answer. Right. Your justification isn't great if the whole world has to buy your system in order for it to work. Exactly. Yeah. And it seems every religion we hear from mm-hmm. is saying not only are they the fastest growing religion, but if everybody just adopted our beliefs, then the world would be a better place. Right. It would always be interesting to me to see if that were true, but we can't run that experiment. Right. And it hasn't happened yet. There's not a good chance of it happening in the future. So instead, let's see if your members are actually happier and better mm-hmm. off. And I've just got to say, uh, again, he's just seemed like a really down to earth guy. He came down off of the stage level to just stand with all of us, you know, like pastors do nowadays. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't use the pulpit. They just stand like, hey, I'm with I'm one of you guys. He just seemed really personable, like a nice person. Like mm-hmm. I feel like anyone could make fast friends with Giorgio Sukalos. Do you think he believes any of it though? That's tough. Yeah. Um of all the people there, he's on my list of like, eh, you might think this is all bullshit. Maybe. I I would lean towards he does believe okay. it. Okay. Yeah, I mean I could believe that too. But but, but most of the people there I'm like nearing a hundred percent on you believe this, and mm, I'm convinced mm-hmm. you believe it. But there's some wiggle room there. Yeah, And, with and clearly, him. he's found like a good station in life, so right. I could see that. Maybe he plays a bit more than he actually believes. He also made a statement that we'd heard earlier, I think, about how we could colonize space within 10 million years if we could just travel at 1% of the speed of light. I think it was Eric Von Duniken who had said the same thing earlier, but had said 2% of the speed of light, mm-hmm. which is a double Twice factor. Then. Yeah, but the argument is there. We could colonize space. If we just let's could travel around. Yeah, let's get started, right? Only 10 million years. Someone asked him, and I was glad they did. They asked him about that meme of him saying it's aliens. And mm-hmm. what did he think about that? And he said, oh, it's fun and it's organic. But I don't think everything is alien. So it's not technically true. But yeah, I'm glad. We're having fun. Getting out there. And yeah, people are having fun with me and my style. Oh, he had a really interesting idea about the Ark of the Covenant and him thinking that it was actually like a space technology that was creating the manna that they ate. Oh, yeah, okay. There was like this thing from the Zohar that referred to the Ancient of Days and that that's actually better translated as the Great One with tanks. Mm-hmm. And so the Ark of the Covenant was really this machine with a tank that dispensed food for the Israelites. So essentially it was a cosmic vending machine that would come down to feed the Israelites when they needed food and the food, the manna, would grow like algae. G what? on the ground. Yep. Hmm. And then he said that he thinks that the Ark is likely buried at the bottom of Oak Island. So it was stolen from the Templars. Uh, it's on the shore of Nova Scotia. Okay, interesting. And apparently people have gone to try to reclaim it or look for it there. And six people have died in the attempt. And apparently there is some sort of prophecy that seven will have to die before it's revealed or comes back. Yeah, so there was all, all this crazy Ark of the Covenant stuff playing into this theory he had. It, that was all fascinating. Whoa, okay. Whoa. Who's going to be the seventh man? I'm not doing it. And he was saying, I, I can't remember if it was directly connected to this, that we're in a really significant time now because- Of course. Aren't we always? It's 2017 and the sun miracle in Fatima, where everybody mm-hmm. together saw the sun dancing through the sky, that was in October of 1917. So we are nearing the 100 year anniversary of that event. Sure. So here we go. That's the next thing for us all to wait for. Let's wait till October what? rolls around. No and- one's ever like now this is like a pretty unimportant time (laughs) right we're in a period of just 
kind of a lull. Yeah, it's going to be at least four generations till something significant happens. <laughs> We're in the bottom of the bell curve. We're always in the uh, last days. I mean, on one hand, kudos to you for sticking your neck out there and claiming a date is significant. Yeah, I guess so. But then we get to wait and watch it pass by. Yeah. <laughs> We're looking at you, David Wilcock. Oh, there was a, a very tense question that kind of related to what you were saying from Corey Good. A woman wanted to know if we might be the ancient aliens visiting ourselves, just we're time travelers. Our species. Yeah, we as humans. And Giorgio was like, no, that's... Uh, I just, <laughs> no, that's stupid. I don't buy it because they could have left evidence in all of the various inscriptions. And I haven't seen anything that said, you know, there's so many ways they could have written, hey, it's us or we're you or here's our mm-hmm. DNA or anything like that. So, you know, that's fair. But she was not happy with how he was kind of dismissing her idea. Yeah, a lot of the question askers have these little pet theories and Mm -hmm. then will be kind of crestfallen when they aren't supported by the speaker, which almost inevitably happens. When this famous person within the community, right, doesn't resonate at their frequency. Something similar happened at Whitley Strieber where he was talking about his dad and then a woman came up and said, I think your dad's an ET. And he just kind of was like, eh, no. (laughs) Another little thing theory he had was that Plato never said that Atlantis sank. He just said it disappeared. So maybe it lifted off. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Okay, Georgia. Why not? Maybe it spun off. Maybe it exploded. Maybe it went out. Another person asked him. Maybe it's at lunch. Another person asked about Hollow Earth and he said, "Uh, I I feel like overall we should lose the tinfoil hats. So that was interesting. But then he said, you know, it could be true. So I just, I don't care to speculate. You know, I don't know enough about that, which is fair. So I was starting to leave at this point because we were wrapping up and getting very close to the end. And right as I was leaving, he totally dissed all the free energy speculation. And I was so Ah. excited because that's one of Stephen Greer's big things is, oh, there's all this free energy and the technology exists. And George was like, no, none of that is real. That's ridiculous. So again, I just wanted to see fight, fight, fight. He said, it's dumb. So that was... Wow. Yeah, that was his uh, not-so-casual dismissal. Wow, 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 wow. And... Uh, yeah, Ross was really looking for, like, a pro-wrestling match to break out. Right. Conferences. And I feel, at least here at Contact in the Desert, that fell apart, the cordiality and the complete mm-hmm. agreement that I was so surprised at in Arkansas. Yeah, I think, we I think were... it may have been overtly forced on them. So that was it for my visit with Giorgio. Oh, right. Pretty fantastic. And what a visit it was. Well, I think there's a little more to Saturday, but I think we'll tell you about it next week. Yeah. Because our show is weekly. Hey. As you know, because we announced it some time ago. <laughs> so tune in next week for the next part of our Contact in the Desert. There's some good things that happened on Saturday night. Can't wait to tell you about them. Yeah. And that's it for our show. Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton. Our show is produced and co-edited by Ian Kramer. We are on Facebook. If you want to visit facebook.com forward slash onrack, that's the best place just to see all the photos, talk to us there, comment on things, like us. You can also follow us on Twitter at Ono Podcast. Absolutely. You can also go to iTunes or your podcast store of choice. Leave us a positive review so other people can find us. You can also support us uh, financially if you want to visit MaximumFun.org forward slash donate. Hop on down to our podcast family and let them know that you listen to us. Yeah, man. And remember. Show of hands. How many of you do not believe Do not believe that there is extraterrestrial life out there in the universe. Show your hands.
this may be the only time a unanimous decision has ever been made. Wow. Well, that's Donald Trump. <laughs> Show of hands. How many of you do not believe that this planet has been visited by extraterrestrials? Do not believe. Wow. Good crowd. Well, in that case, I want to thank the panel for being here. Have a good day, everyone. <laughs>